So tonight is not a heavy teaching. In fact, it's kind of light, lighter side, if that's all right. And uh, if it's not, that's too bad. And uh, it's not less important, but it is kind of on the lighter side. And I want to apologize for the message. Um, I titled it Friending with Jesus. And even though the message is, I think, good and wholesome and right, and I don't apologize for the teaching, the uh, the, now that I look back on the title, as I struggle with titles sometimes of teachings and messages and things, I think it's a little too cute, and I don't necessarily like cute. Friending with Jesus, I don't know. I thought it was cute at the time, and now I don't like it at all. But the, the message will be okay, all right? So um, we've taught on forgiveness in this little three-part series. It's this three-part series has stretched out over the holidays, and it's kind of fragmented. But we talked about forgiveness with Jonah. Does anybody remember that? And we, forgetting with Peter and Paul. And this is the third part, the final part, um, um, about friending with Jesus. And um, we've learned that we can pick the fruit from the past and burn the rest. And today we're going to teach on friending with the Lord and learn four proofs of friendship from his example. Um, this, um, this message is pretty dear to my heart. It hits me, even though it's kind of a light teaching, it, it hits me right where I need it and where I need to remember about my relationship with Jesus. And, um, and so I want to read the text, John 15, starting at verse 12. This is my commandment, Jesus says, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I <clears throat> now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So, I want to talk in your outline, if you have it, four proofs of friendship. And the first proof of friendship is called this, what I do for you. Jesus said in verse 13 of our text, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. He said that to his disciples, by the way, to give you context, when everything seemed to be going great just after Palm Sunday. They did not realize that a conspiracy was brewing and Jesus was about to be arrested. But although they did not understand, he was making them a promise when he said, I am your friend. I don't know if you think about that, of Jesus being our friend. But Jesus told them, I am your friend. And this first proof seems what I would say maybe a little bit crude, the first proof of friendship. But we use it all the time, and, and hang with me here if you're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Just hang on with me for a moment. I can't get it all out at once, the, the totality of what I want to try to get across. But the first proof is that we test a friend by what they do for us. Sometimes that's how you know. Uh, suppose you were on I-74, 11 o'clock at night, driving back to the Quad Cities from Peoria. Has anybody ever made that trip from Peoria to the Quad Cities? And uh, say your car quit, broke down, it was cold and windy. Boy, 
just like tonight, right? Snowy, with, and you had no AAA, and uh, it's late at night. Cars broke down on the side of the road. It's cold. You have your cell phone, and you begin to think, who do I know that would come out and help me? And notice how quickly your brains compute and compute your friendships by this ancient standard. Who, who is somebody I know? Who is a friend that I could call and get them out of bed on a cold winter night and get, drive halfway to Peoria to pick me up and get me home? And all of a sudden, probably from all the contacts in your phone, uh, the names that pop up begin to shrink to how many? A handful? Three or four? And um, hopefully you come up with a friend to help. You get on the phone to explain, and your friend says, No sweat! <laughs> no pun intended. I'll be right there. Now that's not a Hallmark card right there. That's a friend, right? That's a friend. Your brain calculates friendship on the basis of the same ancient standard that Jesus gives. You know a friend by what they do for you. And Jesus says, what is friendship? And how do you know that I'm your friend? And then he says, I laid down my life for you. That's the proof. All right, let's go to the second proof of friendship. The second proof is this. I confide in you. The first is put heroically. I'm your friend and I prove it by laying down my life for you. That is heroic. The second proof of friendship from the Lord's side is not as heroic. But it's an, it's an expansion of the same principle. Think about this for a moment. He says in verse 15, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. A friend is someone who takes you into his or her confidence. A friend takes you into their confidence, talks things over with you. We also calculate our friendships based on who we confide in, who confides in us. Let me give you a crazy illustration again. Suppose you're a college student from Chicago and you've come home for the weekend. You're fully aware of the midterm at 11 o'clock Monday morning back at school. You've squandered away the whole weekend enjoying your time with your family and friends in the Quad Cities, having fun, and now it's Monday morning really early, time to to make the run over here to what's the town to get on the Amtrak that's off of 80, um, starts with a P, Princeton. And you have to get on the earliest train in Princeton to get yourself, I don't think we've got Amtrak here yet, do we? And so we get on that, and that's what Kathy and I used to do once a year, was take that Amtrak downtown to Union Station, stay downtown for a couple of days. We haven't done that for a couple of years. I wonder why. Right now, I don't know if we'll ever do it again. I don't know. But, but uh, so, okay, back to my illustration. You squandered away the whole weekend. Now it's Monday morning. You're ready to get on the Amtrak train back to Chicago. And you're counting now on the travel time to study up for the midterm, or you're going to flunk this test. And while standing at the train flat, uh, platform, 
you see an acquaintance, somebody you know, and they don't see you. And you think to yourself, if we ride together, they will talk, talk, talk about everything, and I'll flunk the exam. What do you do? What do you do? You calculate the friendship. And then you start reading the newspaper intensely, watching out of the corner of your eye to see what car they get on so you can get on a different car. You're not really interested in snubbing them, but you really, really, really need to study for this test. Now let's change the plot, okay? We're going to change the plot. Suppose you're standing on the platform and you see someone that you'd love to talk to. You calculate your priorities with lightning speed and you decide you could flunk the exam and take it next year because this could be a life-changing opportunity to get to talk to this person all the way to Chicago. You may even say, God, thank you for making this opportunity for me. Now let's change the plot one more time. Let's say you saw a really good friend at the train platform. A really good friend. You could go and sit with the friend and you could say, hey, I love you. Sit next to me and pray, but do not say a word because I have a midterm to study for and don't say a word to me. Pray for me. I'm going to study. That's a friend. Did you catch it? That's a friend. You took them into your confidence. That's what Jesus was saying. You're my friends, and the proof is that I took you into my confidence. I chose you. I saw you on the platform, and I wanted to ride with you. That is proof of friendship, when you take someone in their confidence. Third proof. Love as Jesus loved. The first two proofs had to do with the Lord's side. The last two tonight have to do with our side. Now this one really took me off balance when I first read it. In fact, it, it almost doesn't seem like friendship. And listen to it. Let me read it to you again in verses 12, 13, and 14. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I love what Jesus was doing for us up to this point. And then it's almost like, I think you ruined it. I don't know if you find yourself disappointed when you read that or not. He said, you're my friends. Was he saying, you're my friends if you're a doormat and just say yes, yes, yes all the time? Then you can be my friend. Did Jesus mean that? Did he mean that? I've actually heard messages on this where it's taught as an obedience passage with Jesus saying that in order to be his friend, you have to obey all of his commandments. And when I look closely at the text... I realized something. This, is, this text is not about obedience. Jesus is teaching friendship, and he has one command in this text. Now, don't misunderstand me. Our Lord wants us to obey his commandments because it's best for us. But in this text, he's really not talking about obedience. We, I think we miss the context of what Jesus is saying if we make it 
about obedience when it's really about friendship. He, he's not making obedience the test of friendship. Now, so let's look at it again. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Obedience is vital to us. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. He has one command in mind in this passage, that we love one another as he loves us. Man, this is, this is huge. We are to love one another like he loves us. How do you even, how do we get our minds around that? And then he repeats it and says, you are my friends if you do what I command. When we love as Jesus loved, then we can prove our friendship. Let me see if I can illustrate this with a, a crude illustration. And Terry, maybe you remember this. When you and Tammy, our other sister, and Tracy, our third sister, and me were traveling, and Kathy, I'd married Kathy, and she had joined us, and now it's me and four girls, outnumbered big time. And we were traveling all over the country singing gospel music, and we met this couple in Florida one time that just took a liking to us and invited us to stay with them, which was kind of odd at the time but found out, as we got to know them just a little bit, that they flipped homes. Um, they flipped homes on North Miami Beach. Multi-million dollar homes. Now this is back in the 80s. And they had just finished one and decided to not sell it right away and to live in it for a while and enjoy it before they sold it. And now, you got to know Terry, were we poor or were we poor? I mean, we didn't have much. We were happy and blessed and had all that we needed, but we didn't have an extra few bucks. We were scraping by. And this property, they, they bring us on this property, and it had a swimming pool and a tennis court. It had a three-bedroom boathouse with a big boat hanging underneath the house and three apartments for the housekeeper above the garage and groundskeeper, all with a secured gate. And they gave us this secret code for their gate that got us into the property so we could come and go as we needed to come and go. And we got to stay on that property two different times for a full week at a time. We were kind of bummed when they sold it. The house had Italian marble. The dining room seated 22 people. They had a full-time chef on staff. We thought, Terry, do you remember this? If this isn't heaven, we'll settle for this till heaven arrives, you know. <laughs> they had imported tapestries on the walls and a grand staircase going to that upper foyer and those bedrooms upstairs and we were all very young, just getting started in many ways, and to be honest, way too impressed with it all. In the middle of the entryway was this beautiful vase imported from Egypt. The way the light shone through that vase was 
absolutely amazing. And I said to the housekeeper one day, I said, what a beautiful vase. Now, I'm no expert on anything like that. But I said, what a beautiful vase. Had no idea what it might be worth. And she said, you like it? And I said, yes, I like it. She said, take it. That's what she said. Take it. It's yours. I'm a good friend of the owners, and they'd want me to give it to you. And I'm like, really? And I didn't take it. I just couldn't bring myself to taking it. Didn't know what I'd do with it if I did take it. We're traveling in a van with equipment. That thing wouldn't have made it out of the state before it had been broke. And um, the housekeeper proved to me that she was a good friend of the owner. I think that maybe is what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying, I'll tell you how to prove you're my friend. I'll tell you how to prove you're my friend. That there are ways that you and I can prove that Jesus is our friend. Here's how. When we give away the best treasure he has. And the best treasure that Jesus has is his love. And when we give away his love, we're proving to others that we love him. He loves us. That we are friends. We can love others because he first loved us. How do we prove we're forgiven? When we forgive others. How do we forget the pain of our past? When we understand that Jesus calls us his friend and he's not holding our past against us. When you see people who cannot forgive, what you can know is that they themselves do not know about their own forgiveness. If somebody doesn't give to others, we can know they've not experienced God's love because they're not giving the treasure away. So, I'm going to tell you a little story about myself. Um, Hopefully this will tie in. It's kind of a weird story. I was a Magnum P.I. lover. Does anybody remember the series Magnum P.I.? Anybody? Huh? Tom Selleck. That's right. Young Tom Selleck. That thing ran for years from like 1981 to 89, something like that. 87, something like that. Man, that's been 40 years ago. And um, I watched it 40 years ago. Higgins was so phony with all those war stories about Burma. I bet he never was in Burma. I I never bought the storyline, and I loved watching the show, and I never bought the storyline. And in the story, there's this huge estate in Hawaii that belongs to Robin Masters, who's supposed to show up that night or the next day for a visit, and he never comes. Think about it. All those episodes, he never shows up. Higgins is always worried sick that Robin Masters will come and fire him for something that he's done wrong. And what does Higgins do? 
He allows Tom Selleck to stay at the estate without paying rent, lets him use the Ferrari, which gets wrecked about every other episode. Dogs are running all over the garden, digging up plants. It's about every third or fourth episode, somebody comes with an Uzi and machine guns the estate, and Higgins never gets fired. And on the last episode, Selleck is standing next to Higgins, and here's what he says. Oh, by the way, Higgins, I've been meaning to ask you a question. Are you Robin Masters? Of course he was. Higgins was Robin Masters, and that was the last line of the show. So here's something very important. We're not Jesus Christ. In fact, we're dangerous people if we think we are. That's how cults get started. The church is not the Messiah. The church can't save anyone. So what are we? This is kind of like headed towards the last point. What are we? What should we be? This year, 2022, a brand new year, good friends of Jesus. That's who we are. Very good friends of Jesus. We're the friends of Jesus who are his staff. Our homes, our cars, our nice things, our money, our love, our grace, our forgiveness. All that we have are really his And we get to give it all away because we're friends of Jesus. That's really it. Everything we have, we get to give away because we're friends of Jesus. He's the king, we're his friends, who are entrusted with all that we have for his pleasure. So that leads me to the last point, the fourth proof of friendship. And this is right out of our text. It's prayer. The final proof of friendship is the proof of prayer. Jesus says in verse 16, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So the invitation to pray is the final proof. Have you ever, okay, it's just us here tonight. Have you ever thought of your prayers as proof of being a friend of Jesus? Have you ever thought of your prayers being the proof that you're a friend of the Lord's? I would say that the invitation to pray is the final proof. Jesus says, in effect, pray, ask favors, use my name with the Father because you're my friend. I read an article one time that said... um, Oh, it's been a little while ago. I saw this article that said about 80% of boys, I don't know if this is true, but this article said about 80% of boys get their first job through a friend of their father. Now you think about the tragedy of American life today with so many boys growing up without a dad. Maybe you can play that role with some young person. 
Jesus plays that role with us. He says, I'm your friend, and you can pray in my name to the Father. Use my name. I'm the one who's going to give my life for you. We can use his name because he's our friend. We can use his name to pray for others. We can use his name to pray and invest in other people's lives through prayer. We can pray for people. We cannot just pray about our needs and our wants, but, but one of the ways that we can prove that Jesus is our friend is that we can pray in his name and minister blessings and life to those people that God would put on our heart. So if you'd like to be considered a friend of God, that's how we do it, through Jesus. He died for us and took us into his confidence. Now we can complete this by loving and praying. All right? Something that spoke to you about this message. Don't all jump up at once. Anybody get something out of this? Anybody get a reminder that's good for you? Kelly? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amen. So, has anybody besides me ever struggled with the concept that um, Jesus is my friend? Has anybody besides me ever struggled with that concept? Why do we struggle with that? Don't feel worthy. Did you see where he said, I call you friend? Anybody else get something that spoke to your heart? Something that gives worthy of consideration tonight? Someone else? Yeah. Takara? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amen. All right. Stand up, everybody. We're done. Y'all did good. I think tonight, hopefully, if you catch the heart of this tonight as we go forward, that um, what God has for our church is we're to be giving more of ourselves to others. And that's proof of our friendship. To the Lord. Give away more of yourself by praying more for others, considering others, and uh, loving them. Jesus called us his friend and gave his life for us. Dana, it's good to see you. We're praying for Glenn. We sure miss him. Yep. Lord, thank you for um, your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your kindness to us. I pray blessings on my brothers and sisters tonight as we go in the name of the Lord. 
and gather back together on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.